Boom. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to I'll Tell You What, a spoopy podcast. I'm Miranda. And I'm Ashlyn. And this is a very special episode. I'm just kidding. Bum, bum, bum. Welcome to the season two finale. Surprise! <laughs> we, knew it, we know, we know, we said we we're going to stop it at 100, but we hit the time of the year that we did last year and we took our break. So we decided let's go ahead and take the break now. Especially because if you haven't noticed, uh, the last few episodes have been a bit sporadic. Yeah. And that's been because we have been insanely busy. We're busy and, and we're tired. The holidays are just going to get busier. And I'm poor. So I have to focus on work. Yeah. It's awful. Yikes. Um, yeah. So welcome to season two finale. It doesn't mean you won't hear from us at all during this break. Um, we might release some bonus stuff. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll be around. Don't worry. Yeah. About it. Don't worry. You'll hear about from it. us. We'll be. We'll Don't be call around. us. We'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that sounds like a brush up. <laughs> oh, no. no. Um, but before we get started, we want to once again thank our Patreon patrons. Yeah. I said it for Ashlyn. I said it correctly. I appreciate um, that. Uh, Midas from Midas Media. David. David Midas. There we go. There you go. Um, and Aaron. Thank you once again for being our loyal patrons. If you are interested in being a patron, you can go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash I'll tell you what. We would love to have you join this little party going on. Did you there. did you like that segue? I did. Thank you. I, I liked Sig- the I liked the visual cue that the audience did not get, but I did the little hand gesture pointing to me. I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Organization, well, we've got it sometimes. I really wanted to start doing like newscaster, but well, Ashlyn, well, <laughs> <laughs> very bad newscaster voice. I love it. So, I do love the yeah. voices. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're just gonna dive right into it. Ashlyn, I'll tell you what. What do you tell me? The Black Dahlia. So This is exciting. Yes. For this season this finale, exciting. we'll be discussing none other than the Black Dahlia murder, otherwise known as the murder of Elizabeth Short. Yes. This is one of the most f- famous murders of all time. Oh, yeah. So I thought it would be apropos for the season finale. I'm going to let you all know that I put more effort into this than I did the entire rest of this season. <laughs> Miranda. <laughs> That's not true. Aww. However, my mind has not been like focused at all. And funnily enough, we were discussing my undiagnosed ADD right before mm-hmm. we started recording. But this was quite painful to sit down and like do for some reason. Oof. My body was just like, no, you need to be doing everything else on the planet instead of this. My, my mind's been like you know? that lately, but yeah. my brain fogs back. So I get it. So... Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. The case. On the morning of January 15th, 1947, the naked body of a female was found severed into two pieces on a vacant lot on the west side of South Norton Avenue in Los Angeles. The body was found by a local woman named Betty Bursinger, who discovered the body at approximately 10 a.m. while walking with her three-year-old daughter in the area. Jeez. Bursinger said initially she thought that she had found a discarded store mannequin. Yeah. But upon realizing it was a deceased person, she rushed to the nearest house and called the police. I feel like that's a thing that happens a lot, though. Like, people think it's a mannequin at first. Mm. Well, there's a specific reason she thought it was a mannequin. Now, it was the body of 22-year-old Elizabeth Short. 
Elizabeth Short had been living in the Los Angeles area and working as a waitress to support herself while working towards her dreams of being a Hollywood actress. Yeah. Elizabeth's body had been mutilated severely. Yeah. Her torso had been completely split in two at the waist. A practice known as... This word is hard to say. Hemicorporectomy. Hemicorporectomy. Yes, thank you for saying it all together for us. A technique taught in the 1930s. It was a radical surgery in which the body below the waist was amputated, transecting the lumbar spine. The coroner later reported very little bruising along the incision line, which suggested it had been performed post-mortem. This is the part that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. The reason she thought it was a store mannequin yeah, was yeah. because all of the blood had been drained from the body. Oh. Leaving her skin very, very white. Oh. And it was very clean. There was no yeah. blood because it had all been drained pre-disposal. Her body had apparently been washed in gasoline by the killer to erase any trace of evidence. Jeez. She had several cuts on her thighs and breasts, and there were entire portions of flesh that had been sliced away. Her body had been posed. Mm-hmm. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper. Her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her rear. And her hands had been positioned over her head, her elbows bent at right angles, and her legs positioned apart. Probably the most sickening fact, but also the most memorable to a lot of people, is what was done to Elizabeth's face. The corners of her mouth had been sliced into what has been referred to as a Glasgow smile. A uh, Glasgow smile is... A wound caused by making a cut from the corners of a victim's mouth up to the ears, leaving a scar in the shape of a smile. It is sometimes also referred to as a Chelsea smile or Chelsea mm-hmm. smile, a Glasgow smile, a Chelsea, a Houghton, uh, a Buck 50, or a Cheshire grin. Or if you've ever seen The Dark Knight, The Joker. Hmm. The cuts on each side of her mouth measured three inches on the right side and two and a half inches on the left. So that part wasn't precise, but literally every other part was. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, an autopsy of Elizabeth's body later revealed that she was five foot five inches tall. She weighed about 115 pounds. She had badly decayed teeth and there were lig- ligature marks found on her ankles, wrists and neck. There was an irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss on her right breast. And the coroner also noted superficial lacerations on her right forearm, left upper arm, the lower left side of the chest, and another gaping laceration measuring four and a fourth inches in length running downward from the belly button area. Her skull was not fractured. However, there was bruising noted on the front and right side of her scalp that had a small amount of bleeding in the sub... Mm, Subacronicnoid. Subacronicnoid. Thank you. Subacronoid. Subacronoid. Thank you. I can't (laughs) say these words. Space on the right side. Consistent with blows to the head. In the end, the cause of death was determined to be 
hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and the shock from the blows to the head and face. There was evidence that Elizabeth may have been raped by her killer, but when mm -hmm. tested for the presence of sperm, the test came back negative. Still doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean that she wasn't <laughs> assaulted in that way. Uh, but yeah. unfortunately, they had no evidence in that round. However, this is the 40s. They couldn't have used it really anything. Right. Oh my gosh, DNA in the 40s. It or really any kind exist. of mess. Besides fingerprints. There's there's that one John Mulaney uh, sketch uh, talking about, or not sketch, uh, but joke talking about like how easy it was to get away with murder in like the 1940s. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically, if you weren't still at the crime scene, you were probably going to get away with it. Exactly. And that's Ugh. kind of... That's kind of how it feels in Elizabeth's case. Yeah. Medical examiners determined Elizabeth had been dead for around 10 hours, making her assumed time of death in either the late hours of January 14th or the early morning hours of January 15th. Uh, near the body, detectives located a heel print on the ground amid the tire tracks, and a cement sack containing watery blood was also found nearby. Oddly enough, you never hear anything else about this cement sack containing watery blood. Like, do we know it was Elizabeth's? No. Like, obviously it would be assumed to be hers, Unfortunately, but you don't hear anything else about this sack of watery blood. But, yeah. But also, what does cement sack mean? Like... I think it's a sack for cement. Yeah, that's that's what I would think, but I have no idea. I don't either. Um, that, that's so, a whole level of weird. Yeah. Shortly after the discovery of Elizabeth's body, a crowd of passersby and reporters formed. Augie Underwood, a Los Angeles Herald Express reporter, was among the first to arrive at the scene and took several photos of Elizabeth's body at the crime scene. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Short's body was identified after her fingerprints were sent to the FBI via sound photo, which is kind of cool. Uh, it was a device that transmitted images by telephone and was actually normally used for news photographs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they used a similar, like, more developed technology, yeah. uh, but in the following years for the moon landing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything, which is really cool, like, the development of technology in that realm. It's... It's fascinating to me. Anyway. Uh, so apparently Elizabeth Prince had been on file from a previous arrest for underage drinking. Uh-huh. However, in a sick ploy, reporters from William Randolph Hearst's Los Angeles Examiner contacted Elizabeth's mother, Phoebe Short, in Boston and told her that her daughter had won a beauty contest. Oh, Hearst. Isn't, isn't he the one also suspected of killing Thomas Ince? <laughs> Anyway, sure is the one and only. However, it wasn't until after some intense prying from her mother that the reporters cracked and let out the news of her murder. The newspaper offered to pay her airfare and accommodations if she would travel to Los Angeles to quote unquote help the police investigation. However, this was just yet another ploy to, for the newspaper to keep her away from the police and other reporters to protect its scoop. That's sick. That's gross. I mean, like, like take them up on it, like bleed them dry for everything. But uh, yeah, don't don't fall into their trap of yeah. only staying with one. Because like she has to get out there anyway, you know, because yeah. she has to you know deal with the fact that her daughter has died, been murdered, 
Yeah. But I, I'm just I'm just talking about all the other preparations yeah. that go on after, you know, someone has died. So even without the murder part, you know, to make matters worse, mm -hmm. the examiner and the Los Angeles Herald Express later began sensationalizing the case. Of course, the examiner put out an article that described the black tailored suit short was last seen wearing as, quote unquote, a tight skirt and sheer blouse. The media nicknamed her as the Black Dahlia and described her as an adventurous who, uh. yeah, who, quote unquote, prowled Hollywood Boulevard. Los she Angeles Times published an article on January 17th, which deemed the murder of a sex fiend slaying. This is a 22 year old kid. Like, I get it. She's she's been around like who knows maybe she was very active she was working as a waitress there was no like evidence that she had been working in any other capacity than just a waitress yeah now, it is later reported she was friends with a stripper mm -hmm. but like so well you know and there's and there's that and also the fact that she was you know trying to get onto the uh acting scene mm -hmm. and we know she was a young woman and we know 1940s. we know how uh some producers would uh -huh. take advantage of that most um, in that time oh yeah so it's it's not outside the realm of possibility, but the fact that this is the media painting her this way, um, that that's wildly problematic, especially in that time. Like nowadays, it it would not matter as much, but back then, exactly. Would, yeah. So, not with a bang, but with a fizzle. Like in so many cases, they began receiving phone calls, letters, etc. On January 21st, 1947, a person claiming to be Elizabeth Skiller called the office of James Richardson, who was the editor of The Examiner. During the call, the caller congratulated Richardson on the newspaper's coverage of the case and stated he planned on eventually turning himself in, but not before allowing police to pursue him further. Uh -huh. The caller told Richardson to, quote unquote, expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. Gross. Then on January 24th, a U.S. Postal Service worker discovered a suspicious manila envelope addressed to the Examiner Los Angeles, oh, sorry, the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. Hmm. In the iconic serial killer newspaper magazine clipping style. Like, this is one of the first reported cases of that actually being used. Oh, great. Also on the Ugh. envelope. There was a large message on the face of the envelope reading, here is Dahlia's belongings, comma, letter to follow. The envelope contained Short's birth certificate, business cards, what? photographs, names written on pieces of paper, an address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. And the envelope had also been carefully cleaned with gasoline similar to Short's body at the crime scene. This led police to suspect the packet had, in fact, been sent by her killer. Yeah, but, like, what? How'd he get all this stuff? What? There are a lot of questions here. Do we get answers for any of them? No. I'll be honest. Why would he have... Like, even, even if he killed her, why would he have her birth certificate? Why? Who's Mark Hansen? Do we talk about who's Mark Hansen? We do talk about Mark okay, Hansen. Okay, thank goodness. Don't because worry. Because I'm like, what is going on? We do talk about Mark Hansen. However, before that, Ugh. 
Despite the efforts of whoever sent the packet to clean the packet of any evidence, there was several partial fingerprints lifted from the uh, envelope. Unfortunately... Mail carriers? Mm-hmm. They were sent... <laughs> no, they were not from the mail oh. carriers. Uh, they were sent to the FBI to uh, for testing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the prints were compromised in transit... therefore could not be properly analyzed. No. Apparently the same day the packet was received by the examiner, a handbag and a black suede shoe were reportedly seen on top of a garbage can in an alley a short distance from Norton Avenue, which was only two miles from where Elizabeth's body had been found. The police recovered the items, but once again, they had been wiped clean with gasoline, destroying any fingerprints. It's it's weird how few details like we have of this guy being like an absolute jack wagon, mm-hmm. and yet I still want to punch him in the face mm-hmm. so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, next it's early. I know. <laughs> oh no. Next on January twenty sixth, another letter was received by the examiner. This time it was handwritten. It read, "Quote, here it is." Turning in wed. Wednesday. January, mm. or Jan, 29, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police. Black Dahlia Avenger. Unquote. The letter also named a location at which the supposed killer would turn himself in. However, on the morning of January 29th, the police waited at the location, but the alleged killer did not appear. At 1 p.m., that same day, the examiner offices received another cut and pasted serial killer style letter, which read, quote, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified, unquote. Was it, though? I don't think it was justified. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. She was a 22 year old kid. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Like. Uh, yeah. So I'm sorry. No, it wasn't. It it just wasn't. So due to the graphic nature of the murder and the subsequent letters received by the examiner, many more publications, local and national, released sensationalized versions of Elizabeth's murder and investigation. In some articles, people claimed that Elizabeth had been tortured for hours before she was murdered, which was false. Well, yeah, there's no evidence of that. Also... A lot of news outlets began reporting on Elizabeth's personal life, including details about her alleged alleged declining of Hansen, the man whose name was on the address book sent to the examiner, uh, of his romantic advances. Also, information told to police from a stripper who was an acquaintance of Shorts, in which they said that she, quote, liked to get guys worked up over her, but she'd leave leave them hanging dry. Unquote. Okay, so she's a tease. Then mm-hmm. who cares? Like but literally, these very personal cares? things that had been told to the police about her. Yeah, ended up getting out. Oh great! This led some reporters, mainly at the Herald Express and detectives, to look into the possibility uh, that Short was a lesbian. Uh huh. I don't know. They went from A to C. They missed B somewhere in there. I- uh, because because she she wanted the attention, but like. Not not to follow through. So clearly... Or she clearly was just a nice girl. Yeah, clearly she just... Clearly she uh, didn't... 
since she didn't want to sleep with these guys yeah. or something, she must be a lesbian. Well, this caused them to begin questioning employees and patrons of gay bars in Los Angeles. Oh, gosh. This claim, however, remains unsubstantiated. <laughs> the Herald Expe Express also supposedly received several letters from the alleged killer, again made with cut-and-paste serial clippings, one of which read, quote, I will give up on Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me, unquote. However, I personally think that the Herald Express is full of it. Because they're part of the reason a lot of the sensationalized stuff started yeah. getting out. I tend to believe the examiner more. I don't know why. The examiner really? continued to run stories on the murder and the investigation throughout all of this. Mm -hmm. It was front page news at the examiner for 35 days following the discovery of the body. That's insane. Then... On February 1st, the Los Angeles Daily News reported that the case had, quote, run into a stone wall, unquote, with no new leads for investigators to pursue. Jeez. A lead investigator on the case, Captain Jack Donahue, told the papers that he believed Short's murder had taken place in a remote building or shack on the outskirts of Los Angeles and her body transported to, into the city where it was disposed of. Based on the precise cuts and dissection of Elizabeth's body, the LAPD began theorizing that a surgeon or doctor or someone with medical knowledge... Medical student, something like that, mm -hmm, at least. ...was the culprit. And in mid-February of 1947, the LAPD issued a warrant to the University of Southern California Medical School located near the site where Elizabeth's body had been discovered. The, uh, the request... They requested a complete list of the program's students from the school. The university agreed so long as the students' identities remained private. Background checks were conducted, but yielded no results. Well, yeah, I mean, if no one's ever done anything like this before. Mm. But it's, it's very difficult to think that someone went from, like, no history of violence to suddenly something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 mm -hmm. I get I get it. So on March 14th, an apparent suicide note was found by a beach caretaker scribbled in pencil on a bit of paper, tucked into a shoe in a pile of men's clothing left by the ocean, ocean's edge near Breeze Avenue, Venice. Mm -hmm. The note read, quote, To whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much to of a... I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that. Or this. Sorry, Mary. Unquote. The caretaker who found the clothes reported the discovery to John Dillon, or Dillon, sorry, to John Dillon, who was the lifeguard captain at the time. Dillon immediately notified Captain L.E. Christensen of West Los Angeles Police Station, mm -hmm. and the uh, um, who came and identified the clothes. The clothes included a coat, blue herringbone tweed trousers, a brown and white Y shirt, tan, oh, sorry, white jockey shorts, tan socks, tan moccasins, or leisure shoes. Mm -hmm. uh, they were about a size eight. The clothes gave no clue about the identity of their owner, and this unfortunately never led to anything either so my guess would be a couple things mm -hmm. um i mean well one mary obviously would have been like some sort of like wife or girlfriend mm -hmm. something like that uh 
Who knows? Maybe even a sister. I don't know. Um, but a woman, also a woman close to the yeah, suspect. yeah, uh, a close personal acquaintance of this person. <laughs> um, and there there could be two reasons, like one or a few reasons. Like one, you know, uh, the person wanted attention, even though they were like you know committing suicide, mm-hmm. uh, and wrote that. Two. It was like legitimate and he did commit suicide. Or three, it was legitimate and he faked his suicide. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy. That many, many things. There's just so many directions this case was like flung like, into. And you can't even. And none of them panned out. Yeah, you can't even pursue one of them because like not enough was like found out. A DNA, DNA didn't exist at I the time. Know. Like they could maybe match your dental records, but that's about it. They can match your fingerprint if they had any. Yeah, they had to have it first, and also it wasn't like a database, like you know, no. ours. No, where they had we to catch you, and then compare your fingerprints to what was found at the scene. Yeah, like like uh, they couldn't just run it through a computer or something. Yeah, gosh. So un- unfortunately, this leads us to suspects, because there wasn't much else on the case. That's fair. Let's go. Let's go into some suspects. Let's find them. The Los Angeles Police Department interviewed over 150 men in the ensuing weeks whom they believed to be potential suspects. Fair. I mean, there's so many possibilities. I don't We're blame them. We're only going to go through a few. What? Not all 150? Like three. <laughs> well, because one of them. Okay, we, we go through four, but one of them is very, very long. Gotcha. So our is first this like suspect- prime suspect? Is that is that what that yes. one is? Sweet. Okay. So our first suspect is Mark Hansen. Yes. Yes. You were wondering about his Mr. address Hansen, book. Yes. So the owner, he was the owner of the address book found in the packet. Hansen was a wealthy local nightclub and theater owner. He was also an acquaintance of Elizabeth Schwartz, whose home she had stayed at his home with friends before. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to some. He also confirmed that the purse and the shoe discovered in the alleyway were, in fact, Elizabeth's. Uh, Anne Toth, Elizabeth's friend and roommate. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if she's the aforementioned uh, stripper. Gotcha. But uh, apparently she told investigators that Elizabeth had recently rejected sexual advances from Hansen, suggesting it was a potential cause for him to kill her. He was later cleared of any suspicion, however, in the case. I feel like that tracks, though, simply because why would he turn in his own address book? Yeah. I would not give them that. (laughs) That's a weird thing to try and turn in as one of her belongings. Yeah. It is really strange. Like, I don't know if it's like to throw them off your trail or maybe because he wanted to. Maybe 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 he could argue, why would I give you my address book? Yeah. Uh, Exactly. Like, that could throw them off the trail. Or it could be... um, because he was planning on turning himself in mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. It could be like that. But also, like, if he was planning on turning himself in, like, why, though? Yeah. Why would you do that, then? So, our second suspect <laughs> is Robert, or Red, Manley. Oh, his name is... He's got a nickname for Red. Red. <laughs> Immediately guilty. Immediately. He was a 25-year-old married salesman Elizabeth had been dating. Manley guilty. had... <laughs> Sorry. Manley had been one of the last people to see Elizabeth alive. Uh, Manley stated that he dropped Elizabeth Short off at the Biltmore Hotel located at 506 South Grand Avenue in downtown Los Angeles and that Elizabeth was supposed to meet her sister who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. 
By some accounts, staff at the Biltmore Hotel recalled having seen Elizabeth using the lobby telephone. And shortly after that, she was allegedly seen by patrons of the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge at 754 South Olive Street, approximately three-eighths of a mile away from the Biltmore Hotel. This is plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Manley was investigated, but cleared of suspicion after passing numerous polygraph examinations. Now, I couldn't find any information about this, but when I watched both episodes of BuzzFeed Unsolved regarding this case, because uh-huh. it was one of the very first ones they covered, so they revisited it later to do a more in-depth episode. Right, right. Both times they mentioned some kind of truth serum, and I don't know if it was in regards to Red Manley or someone else. I understand they did that sometimes back in the day. They used, you know, a concoction of some kind of chemicals that like makes it Like the truth serum that they were trying to find in MKUltra. Yes. However, when I was investigating this, I did not find anything about that. So I don't know where they're getting their The legitimacy of a truth serum back then. Well, yeah, that too. Mm, uh, that they could have given him something that they considered to be a truth serum. Yeah. And he could have cleared that. But... Um, Again, not effective. In fact, a polygraph test back then would probably be even less effective than it is today. And today it's still not very effective. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, also, I, I, I was so mm. caught up in, you know, the name of Red that mm-hmm. I, I missed the name Manly. Yes. I've been saying Manly this entire I time. I know. I know. But when I actually heard you say Red, Red Manly. Manly, it's like at that point I had to stop myself Manly from Red. laughing because I'm just like. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Police apparently also interviewed several persons found listed in Hansen's address book, including mm-hmm. a man named Martin Lewis, who had been see, uh, who had been an acquaintance of Elizabeth's as well. Lewis was able to provide an alibi for the date of Elizabeth Short's murder as he was in Portland, Oregon, visiting his father-in-law, who was dying of kidney failure. But so. could they actually talk to his father-in-law about him being there? You're sick. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, visiting a dying relative. Actually, pretty good just alibi. Save, save all of your accusations, <laughs> because we're about to get into the doozy one. Okay, okay, yes, 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 please. This brings us to our last suspect that we're going to discuss, George Hill Hodel Jr., George Hill Hodel Jr. became a suspect years after the initial case went cold due to his Mm. own son. Mm. Former Los Angeles homicide detective Steve Hodel. After George Hodel Jr., Steve's father, died in 1999, Steve, a former LAPD homicide detective, wanted to learn more about his father. During that process, Steve uncovered information that led him to believe his father had, in fact, been Elizabeth Short's killer. Really? His investigation began with the discovery of a photo album owned by his father, which contained a portrait of a dark-haired young woman whom Steve believed was Elizabeth Short. Also, during Steve's investigation, he learned that his father may have been responsible for more than one murder. Oh, good. Fun. Yes. And we'll get into that later. George Hodel Jr. was, let's get into him. Yes, yes. He was incredibly intelligent. 
He boasted an IQ of 186. Jeez. He was apparently a musical prodigy at a young age. He mm-hmm. played um, playing solo piano concerts at, L- at the uh, LA Shrine Auditorium. Um, and apparently famous composer Sergei, or Sergei Rachmaninoff traveled to his parents' house to hear him play when he was young. Man. He graduated high school at age 15. He began attending Caltech shortly after. Man. However, he had to leave Caltech only Caltech uh, only one year after entering due to a sex scandal in which he impregnated a impre- uh, uh, professor's wife. I'm sorry, the what now? Mm-hmm. He's which, 16? Yeah, I was like, which does that mean he's 16? Gross. Apparently, he wanted to, quote unquote, raise the child with the woman, but <laughs> she refused him. After her marriage fell apart due to the affair. Because he's 16. Because he was a 16-year-old punk. <laughs> like, like no, I, I get it. Like, uh, when you're 16 and, you know, you, you feel like, you know, you're so mature. Like, you know, if, if you're a guy in particular. Don't, no, don't speak highly of this guy. Oh, no, no, no. Anywho. But it, it's like this ego man thing. Yeah. It's, anyway. It's weird. Around 1928, George Hodel Jr. was considered... In a common-law marriage with a woman named Amelia. And they had a son together named Duncan. Later, sometime in the 1930s, he legally married Dorothy Anthony, who was a fashion model from San Francisco, and they had a child together named Tamar. A daughter. Um, All the while, George Hodel Jr. was attending Berkeley pre-med and graduated in 1932. Afterwards... He immediately enrolled in medical school at the University of California in San Francisco, where he received his medical degree in June of 1936. Okay, so he's got the medical degree. Mm Mm-hmm. This might be a good time to mention George Hill Hodel Jr. was notoriously an a-hole. I mean... The fact that you have an affair with your professor's wife is like a pretty good indicator that that's where you're headed, at least. By the 1940s, George Hodel Jr. had begun to become affluent amongst L.A. society due to the success of his medical practice and becoming head of L.A. County's Social Hygiene Bureau. He befriended a young photographer by the name Man Ray, Yep, who specialized in surrealism, and the two men shared an interest in sadomasochism. (laughs) George apparently also shared a fondness for partying, drinking, and womanizing. Uh, Of course he did. Along with most of the men in Hollywood. Yeah, and he's had, like, what, two wives at this point? He's got three kids. (laughs) He's had at least two wives. So, um, in 1940, he married Dorothy Harvey. Okay, three wives. <laughs> Not to be confused with his other wife, Dorothy Anthony. Apparently, he was effectively a polygamist, living part-time with Dorothy Harvey and the three children they had together, Michael <laughs> Stephen, who we've already met, and Kelvin, and living part-time with Dorothy, the other Dorothy, and their daughter, He's and got- sometimes living with the original common-law wife, Amelia. However, by this time, their son was an already an adult. He's got the second family. He's got a third family. He's got three. <laughs> like, okay, did the common law wife, like, know about any of the others? I though? don't know if any of them knew about each other. 
I couldn't find out that a is, single that thing is about only, this. It's funny, but like only in a way that it is also terrifying, like horrifying. Like oh, the, just, the, audacity, the audacity is comical. Just wait. The uh, fact that it's like a thing that happened to all these people. I don't know if I wrote it down, but if I did, just wait for it. Oh my God. I had to omit some stuff just for time's sake. Um, so George Hodel Jr. and wife Dorothy Harvey, otherwise known as Dorothy Hudson Hodel, purchased and moved into the Soden house in 1945. They lived there from 1945 until 1950. The house has since been added to the list of historical landmarks in LA. George Hill Hodel Jr. was notoriously known for taking temporary lovers on top of his three relationships. Who has the time? In total, George Hodel Jr. had nine children amongst four different women. BuzzFeed Unsolved said something about 11 kids, but according to my sources, there are only nine accounted for. Maybe 10. I can't if even the find first time. woman had the child, don't I know if she did. I can't even find time for one relationship. Who is this man? Um, Why? Um, I will mention that around the late 1940s, uh-huh. he abandoned his family um, and moved to a different country. I can't remember which one. To have like five more families? No, that's where he had the, the four more kids. Um, yeah. How many, and then he came back. How many women had these kids? One. Are we sure? I said one. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. Why? So when his son, Steve Hodel, was going through his estranged father's belongings, he found a picture in a box of a woman he felt strongly resembled the Black Talia or Elizabeth Short, like mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. Steve Hodel, by this time, was retired from the LAPD as a homicide detective. Let's go through Steve's evidence against his father. Let's yeah. go through Steve's evidence against his father. Yeah. After I thought you were the one who could keep it together. Miranda, you cannot bring this much ridiculous wrapped up in a man to this podcast and not expect me to go off. After going through the crime scene photos and details, Steve noted that Elizabeth's body had been completely severed in half without breaking any bones in the spine. The technique, which we discussed earlier, his father would have learned during his time in medical school in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. He also noted that the handwriting on the letters that were sent to law enforcement and the press were eerily similar to his father's. Yeah. Um, Handwriting experts later did say that it was inconclusive whether or not they matched. It flip-flopped between who saw them. Some say it was inconclusive. Some say they were pretty darn similar. It all in all, though, it comes out to inconclusive if you can't say 100% that it is. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. (laughs) Another. Oh, yeah. Another good piece of evidence against his father would be the fact that this isn't the first time he was under suspicion for murder. Right, right. You mentioned that. You did. Well, George Hodel Jr. first became under suspicion for murder in 1945. Oh, fun. Following the death of his secretary, Ruth Spaulding, (laughs) supposedly via drug overdose. He, he was suspected of murdering her in order to cover up his financial fraud, such as billing patients for (gasps) tests. Out of all of the things. Yeah. Such as billing patients for tests that never happened um, and or to protect valuable secrets he had obtained about police and politicians who uh, from patients who had been receiving illegal abortions from him. 
It was about at this time Hodel left briefly for China, where he worked (laughs) with the United Nations Relief and Rehabilitation Administration. These events first came to public, however, in 2004. We didn't even know this happened until 2004. Because this man is a buffoon. Like, he is very intelligent, but he is a He's just all over dumb the person. So, Hodel had been, a su- had been a suspect in Elizabeth's murder in the first place. Uh, but the police had what? so many suspects to start with, it's right, feasible right. that Hodel fell through the cracks. He became a suspect in Elizabeth's murder only after his own daughter accused him of sexually assaulting her in 1949. I hate this man. He was acquitted of the charges. Apparently, many found his daughter's allocations, quote, contradictory and attention-seeking. Because he probably painted her uh-huh. that way. Because uh, it's it's yeah. real easy to paint women that way, especially in the 40s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially when your uh, accuser... Or the, sorry, the uh, person being accused is a prominent, male wealthy, figure. yeah, male figure. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, you may ask Disgusting. how he could have been acquainted with Elizabeth Short. Well, it there are at least be. eight witnesses that claimed firsthand knowledge of a 1946 relationship between Short and Hodel when he was back in Los Angeles from China. Unsurprising. Um, In 2003, details from the Black Dahlia case were released to the public. These details revealed that in the 1950s, George Hodel Jr. was the prime suspect in the case. Wow. And between February 15th uh, and March 27th of 1950, the LAPD task force electronically bugged Hodel's Hollywood address. Apparently, transcript of conversations revealed by this included Hodel's references to performing illegal abortions, mm-hmm. uh, giving payoffs to law enforcement officials, and to his possible involvement in the deaths of his secretary and Elizabeth Short. The DA tapes recorded him saying, quote, Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did. Uh, killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. Okay, so, sorry. Um, the secretary was after Elizabeth, right? Uh, no, the secretary was killed in 1945. Okay, so I was before? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Just just uh, putting pieces together, because... Uh, I'm pretty suspicious. sure Elizabeth was killed in 1947. Gotcha. Yep, 1947. Okay, yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot. Uh, you, you got more? Yes. Okay. Um, so by April of 1950, they had gathered enough evidence to charge Hodel. And were about to arrest him for the, short, er, for mm-hmm. the murder of Elizabeth Short. When Hodel, up again, left the United States. Of course. So... I think the biggest evidence against Hodel is actually the uh, the notes, the mm-hmm. the notes sent to police, simply because this man has too much audacity, mm-hmm. and seem and like historically with men like this, we see that um, they are so um, up their own. I mean, um, they're <laughs> so 
So they think they're, they're so great they'd never like stoop to yeah. this level of thinking of like there, turning themselves. There in. have been people who have theorized that um, possibly he was performing a um, illegal, illegal abortion, abortion on, on Elizabeth Short, and that yeah. could have have to do with the incision that was found. Mm-hmm. Um, and that possibly it was botched or something, yeah. and so that he was killed her. that was actually something in um, oh gosh, it was the first season of American Horror yes. Story. Um, Murder House was yeah, it was yeah, the doctor performing an illegal abortion mm-hmm. and then like gave her too much like gas or something like that, and then yeah, did this whole thing. Um, the the thing that tracks very heavily for me is like the whole sadomasochism thing mm-hmm. and also some people said that he could have possibly been inspired by his surrealist friend yeah that too especially with how it was posed mm-hmm. and everything it seems like a very artistic way of doing it especially yeah. when like all of the blood is drained well all of that you mentioned earlier it's crazy you mentioned earlier um, that it it would be hard to believe that this would be the first and only time someone did something like this yeah well, all in all, George Hill Hodel Jr. was never charged with anything in regards to the Black Dahlia case. He was also suspected of possibly being several other killers throughout the 1940s through the mm-hmm. 1970s. Killers like the Lipstick Killer of the late 1940s, oh. the Manila Jigsaw Murderer of 1967, and the Zodiac Killer well. in the 1970s. Well, he wasn't the Zodiac Killer, but anyway. How do you know he wasn't the Zodiac Killer? Remember what happened uh, earlier this year with the whole Zodiac? Yeah, come on, Miranda. I did a whole thing on that, too. Jeez. You covered the Zodiac. No, but... No, wait, they didn't... Yeah. There was a huge break in the case where they figured out Basically, who was the Zodiac Killer? I don't think they. I'm they not sure if they've confirm. actually 100% confirmed yeah, it. They could not confirm it 100%. So, uh, still out there. Uh huh. Anywho. It's checkers. Anyway. But basically, <laughs> but I really think the other ones, I, I didn't go into those cases because right. it was been. It would have been like 10,000 right. more years of evidence. I'd like to hear more about those cases mm-hmm. um, in the future. Some of them, definitely. one of them was very specific mm-hmm. and very similar to this case. Um, so. I will mention with all of this at the time of Elizabeth Short's murder, the LAPD was notoriously corrupt. They were known yes. for being repeatedly paid off by criminals and uh-huh. the like. So it's the 1940s, of course they were. As a result, unfortunately, Elizabeth Short's murder has never been solved. So what do you think? Do you think we had the right guy and we just missed him? Do you think there was some police corruption or what do you think happened here? I mean, again, Hodel seems very, very suspect. Um, so I'm going to hyper-focus on this for a hot minute. But he's... So the reason I asked about the secretary is also because of the notes. You know? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like someone else would have, like, sent them if it was Hodel. Uh, but again, this man, whoever did this, was intelligent enough, I guess. Um, sorry, again, disrespect. Anyway, uh, but people whoever, can be people can be intelligent and be a holes. They can be intelligent and dumb. A Thank lot of you. the times, 
Well, no, the thing is, a lot of the times when you get a hyper-intelligent male, they use it for evil instead of good. Yeah. And they become an entitled prick. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like, that's another thing that I'll, I'll go into in a second. But, um, but the person who actually killed Elizabeth, uh, they were smart enough to, you know, know to use gasoline to, like, mm-hmm. clear out all of that. They knew how to pose it in, in a way that they could actually take their time with it and, like, be pretty sure that um, they wouldn't be found or caught. Yeah, yeah. And they just like left evidence that. lying around. And yeah, stuff. But, but meanwhile, but they, they were still... like, "I'm going to tease you a little bit." Exactly. I'm going to leave the evidence laying right here, but it's also going to be doused in gasoline and wiped down, and you're not going to be able to catch me. Which again could have been, you know, his entire thing with like teasing the cops, being like, "Yeah, oh, I'll mm-hmm. turn myself in," and then not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, could have planted the thing about you know the guy who commi- oh, yeah. committing suicide, uh, claiming that he was black. They Dahlia. probably got he probably got bored of taunting the police and was like, oh, I'll write it off this way, so they stopped looking for me. Yeah, like look, here's here's how we're ending the story. Bye. Uh, but you're all in the story for you. But also, yeah, even even the inconclusivity of the handwriting would make sense in Hodel's case simply because a man that smart who has already you know mm-hmm. thought could to possibly change his. Would would almost definitely mm-hmm. try and change his handwriting at least a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, to make it seem less like his own. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, and it's just, but yeah, like like you said, men men with this intelligence who use it for evil to just become an entitled jerk mm-hmm. um, are particularly pathetic, in my opinion, mainly because they have all this potential to actually do something with their lives to actually you know, make an an interesting discovery to be innovative. Like this guy clearly had the means that he could have actually gotten some things done in the world mm-hmm. if he'd chosen to. But no, he decided to instead chase women, which is like really freaking easy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like that's not. Are you saying women are easy? No, I'm saying like if he wants to find someone to sleep with you and like that's all you're interested in, you can mm. usually find it. That's true. like. If you're not interested in like their personalities or anything, which clearly I don't know, I don't maybe think... he had meaning re- meaningful relationships no, with he all didn't. of these people. He did not. He didn't. I'm telling that right now. You don't have like what three secret families or something, and uh, care four about anyone. <laughs> There's four families, Ashlyn. I can't remember Miranda. Like he spends so much time on just so cheating on everyone. I know. That it's like... Where did he find the time exactly. to go and murder someone? Right. Like, how do you even have hobbies outside from just, like, collecting another family? Like, they're Tamagotchis or something. Ah. All in all, we do not mean to poke light at this or anything like that. Unfortunately, Elizabeth Short's case happened so long ago. Uh, much of the evidence was lost during the, uh, you know, over the years and stuff. Especially due to the corrupt nature of the LAPD no, exactly. at the time. That too. Um and his possible blackmail that he had on the LAPD. And it's pretty impossible to get a read on who Elizabeth Short was herself. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know much about her because she hadn't yet begun to live. Yeah, and that plus the sensationalization, plus, Mm -hmm. again... We don't know what's true or what's not true. Yeah, and clearly she was involved with some men in Hollywood, which was pretty... Normal? Yeah, normal for anyone trying to break into the acting business at that point. Um, so, and clearly they would have been the ones who were writing her story, not her. Mm-hmm. And so 
again, like like that well, yeah, I mean, they called her the Black him. Dahlia. Yeah, and they they started saying that she was last seen wearing a skin tight black skirt and a sheer blouse. Yeah, they they were like clearly trying to paint her as some like femme fatale almost. Except well, and she was a very beautiful woman, and and. And truthfully, had she actually broken into the business, mm-hmm. she could have played a femme fatale. Yeah, fintale no, exactly. Easily with her beautiful, like she was beautiful. Like she oh, actually looked very, very pictures. similar to. Um, oh, who am I thinking of? I keep thinking Elizabeth Taylor, but I don't. Think yeah, that's I right. mean, she did kind of look like Elizabeth Taylor, but she had the classic good looks and i unfortunately she just never got her chance you i know, know and that's and I, not that you need jerk. good looks back then but you know no like in general in general starlet just, looks she um, she looked like one of the starlets of the day and unfortunately and you know even even if she that was, was like murdered in her pro- she was 22 <clears throat> she was a kid well, and even if there, uh, even if you know there was work done or something on her, Doesn't like matter. clearly that just kind of shows how much work she was trying to put in into yeah. becoming an actress any way she could possibly do that. But yeah, uh, um, I hoped you, I hope you enjoyed this this very long episode for your season finale. I worked very hard on it. You're, um, you're, I wanted to cover this case for a while, but. It was. I knew it was going to have a lot, and there was going to be a lot of uh, knowledge about it, and a lot of different directions for it to go. I have no idea where to even start with like actual theories. All I, I can know. talk about is like Hodel breakdowns of and his nut, yeah, nutty life, and how and how upsetting it is that you know Elizabeth herself did not get to take forefront in her own case. I know. It's ridiculous. Well, and also, yeah, the botched all the botched stuff as far as evidence goes because yeah. the thing is like you said the, the blood the watery blood thing was not talked about again yeah they that- lost it like the, it was never mentioned again and as far as i know it doesn't exist anymore yeah that that screams of someone either being incompetent negligent and or, negligent, or purposely or, getting rid of things yes and purposely losing point. evidence. The LAPD was notorious for that at the time. Well, and it's and in a case that received this much notoriety, yeah. it would almost have to be pur- purposeful. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's all I got for you. Uh, if you have any famous uh, murders or unsolved cases <laughs> that you'd like us to cover, please feel free to reach out. And uh, you can email us at matterthanacaterpillar@gmail.com. Or you can visit us on our Instagram at Matter Than a Caterpillar. Or if you have your own like avenues surrounding this case that mm, like yeah. you partic- like your particular rabbit hole that you'd like uh, to talk more about or just like weird, uh, bring bring to our attention. Bring any to more the weird facts minds. about uh, George Hotel Jr.? I don't need to know more about that man. <laughs> May he rest in pieces. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, if you're if you've got your own particular rabbit hole you think is, you'd love to tell us about, you can tweet that at us, I guess, uh, if you can fit it in a thread or something. Sure. Uh, at Madder Than a Cat on Twitter. Uh, you can also visit us on our Facebook page. It's I, at ITYW Podcast, or I'll tell you what with a period instead of an ellipses. And we also have a TikTok. Um, 
I always have to say that weird. You know me. Oh uh, and yeah, you can look at our, our beautiful, beautiful faces, as Miranda hates saying me saying that they're weird, uh, at Madder Than a Caterpillar on there. Uh, have anything else? I mean, we already we're, went over the Patreon. Um, cool. Pay attention to our social media. Yeah. So that <clears throat> you'll know when we're coming back. We'll let you know. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll, we'll be back. Eventually. Trust me, you can't get rid of us that easily. <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> and we'll start off uh, the new year whenever we, we come back. It will be a, an Ashland episode, so look forward to that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do something fun. Maybe we'll have guests if I can actually get guests this time. <laughs> so, and, uh, and without further ado, I'll <gasps> leave you with this. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your friends. Tell the FBI agent listening through your phone. And tell the spirit of... Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia, who's living in your closet. And good night. Until. I won't say that. I was going to say until George O'Donnell shoot. Please no. He's living in your closet. I don't want him to. Because he live ran there. away from his families again. <laughs> I was going to say, tell, tell George Hodel's secret fifth family. <laughs> his secret 18th family. There we go. <laughs> Seriously, I hate that man uh, so much. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.